This is the Off Your Mind Podcast. Sit back, relax, and lock yourself in for highs, lows, laughter, and possibly a few tears. After you've taken it all in, please subscribe and leave a review. And remember, live well and be grateful. G'day guys, and welcome back to another show of Off Your Mind. My name is Pierce Mason Stevens. With me today, as always, my co-host, Simon. How are we? Very good. Today we're going to be doing it a little bit differently, as we normally would. Usually we're going to have a guest on the show, but we thought it was important to sort of... We, we have introduced ourselves in the past, but to sort of go through what this show's about and to sort of share our own stories. Yeah, we want to bring to light the stories behind the story of both of our struggles and... Don't die on me yet, mate. <laughs> And the, the stories of why we're doing this project and why we want to talk to people about their own struggles. So we thought a really good way to do that, and we have put a little spill on Instagram, as most of you would have seen, but we want to actually go into depth and talk about essentially how both of our lives have panned out in the mental health space. So when people come on, they know what sort of the um they're, they're going to be talking to us about and the direction of the show so this is probably this is going to be pretty deep i'd say yeah yeah we've both been in some pretty dark spots no limits on this one i don't think no not at all so we do hope you enjoy it this will not have be an entertaining episode no. of your mind but we hope you do enjoy it and we hope yeah. that you do if you are going through struggles you can sort of listen to this absolutely and and know. reach out if you need to. Yeah, reach out. That's why we're here. And yep, we hope you enjoy it. Exactly right. Well, did you want to start us off, mate, or did you want me to start off? I can start off. So we've both got some notes here on ourselves. Yep. So, firstly, you've written up the top, and I think this this translates to me as well about the feeling of not being good enough. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that you might not think about a lot, but you get from your own personal confidence and stuff like that in yourself I think if I look deep down it probably started from a younger age um, I have two great brothers Jackson and Clay who were very successful in their in their fields Clay is obviously a professional gymnast and has been incredibly successful from a young age Jackson my older brother is a successful soccer player who plays in the MPL um, not professionally quotations he's <laughs> semi-professional <laughs> semi-professional um, but is currently studying psychology at the University of Flinders and is incredibly successful as that at that also. The University of Flinders, the, the or, or the or the Flinders University. Yeah, yeah well, either or, still works. <laughs> He's still going to get his degree at the end of that. So Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, I think it, that did start from a young age. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I knew that I wanted to play soccer um, at the highest level possible. And as I got slightly older and older, I sort of, it, it came to reality really that I knew that it probably wasn't going to happen for me. I missed out on a few teams, soccer teams, and it just sort of was a, a slow, a slow slope down for me, I think, yeah. that sort of. And I know a lot of your history on that, so I'm going to bring it up. Okay. When you were 13, 12, 13, was it about that age when you had the offer to go over to Scotland? Um, I think it was more so when I was 14, 15. Okay. 
So tell us about that, because we know I know we've talked about that a lot in the past, but that's one that really hits home for you. Yeah, it's it's something that I've tried to get over over the last few years. I think when I was fourteen, fifteen, I was playing under Ross Aloisi at West Adelaide Soccer Club, and we had uh, the assistant coach by the name of Andy Armour was there, who was also happened to be the development coach at Celtic Football Club. Uh, he really enjoyed me as a player. And throughout those three years under Ross, I think I really um, I found my feet in the soccer world and it did look up for me. Uh, uh, when Andy left back to Scotland, he invited me back for a trial at Celtic, which was obviously massive news for it's me. A big deal. Yeah. yeah, for me. Uh, I was obviously really excited. But having said that, my family were going through some tough times at the time. Um, my dad and mum, who are now currently split up, were going through a divorce. Well, not a divorce. They went to it, but they were splitting up. Going through a separation. Going yeah. through a separation. And one thing led to another, and it, we didn't end up... I didn't end up going over to Scotland for the trial, which sort of has always been a big mental thing for me. And it's played on your mind, hasn't it, that you never got that opportunity? Yeah. yeah. And I think the difference between me now and a few years back was... I think now I've sort of grabbed life by the horns a bit more, and I sort of... What's been is, is been and gone. Um, you can't do anything about I can't it. do anything about it. Um, I think in the past I've sort of held on to those things and gotten quite upset about it. Yeah. But I think that definitely did play into the fact where it was sort of well was me, I guess. Not mm. everything goes my way. Nothing goes my way in that mm. in that fact. And that's how I thought for a, a lot of years. So I think that's not that we want to downplay his achievements at all but did it hurt a bit that Clay got the opportunity to go to college um, or was he or were you passed it by then because obviously he didn't go until th- after school I think I knew Clay was going to be incredibly successful uh, those who know Clay he he gave up an enormous amount of oh, his yeah. uh, teenage years he missed birthday parties he missed hanging out with his friends for a lot he was training 30 hours a week at least with gymnastics and it was in that aspect, I think he was in a league of his own. I didn't put that much effort into... My, I put a lot of effort into my soccer, but not that much. Um, I always knew he was going to be successful in that aspect. So when he got that gig in the US, I was incredibly proud of him. And yeah. everything that he's gotten to this stage, I've been incredibly proud of. And it's it's been through no fault... Uh, what am I trying to say? I'm just... Yeah. I think he's earned everything that he's gotten. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, you put on here, and it's pretty clear that both of us have been through this, but you suffered yep. from depression and anxiety. So I guess the best way to talk about it is to go to the start. When did you first sort of realize you had some things going on or you had some symptoms and stuff like that? When did it start for you? Yeah, I think it's a hard one because when you look back, you don't really... I think you notice things now, but you didn't notice it when you're going yeah. through it uh Obviously, I think it started from quite a younger age, as we just mentioned, not feeling good enough and or up to standard. Me going through school and not being that academically smart, I, I found it hard. I was always a bit of a, not a troubled kid, but sort of tried to be the class clown mm. and sort of that aspect of it. Um, and I think looking outside in, you might have thought I was a really happy young kid, but I, I was going through a few struggles that I probably didn't, want to surface so people looked at me any differently than how yeah, I was sure. um, but yeah I think it, it was everything to do with soccer what happened with my family I think really took its toll on me and then 
study as well it sort of all came into one and then not having a relationship was sort of playing on me for a bit and then yeah having a relationship and then having that taken away from me i think a lot of things didn't go my way in the early parts of the years and i took that upon myself to feel incredibly upset about it you felt very almost self-conscious about it yeah self-conscious and almost embarrassed about it i think think that's a big thing as well you don't usually the more happy people are the ones that are struggling the most because they want to cover what is really going on they don't want anyone to think any less of them because they are in a way embarrassed about it yeah um and then going from there i think in year 12 was a big one i i didn't do very well at all my atar was pretty poor to be honest um i coming out of year 12 i actually thought i did okay and then it was Mm -hmm. another thing feeling that and i felt good about myself and then seeing a number on the sheet which all year 12 see it's it brought me down to to earth a bit and sort of kicked me in the guts yeah um so yeah i I didn't really know what i wanted to do after year 12 which i think got me down a bit not that anyone does though no mantra that you need to know is a bit of a joke to be honest but i think the in year 12 i think a lot of people may think that a lot of people have it sorted out and Mm. a lot of people may be more academically gifted than you are and you think that perhaps if you're not doing as well you're almost not good enough to go to university or you're not good enough to do those sorts of things so i think that's sort of how i felt uh and then yeah towards after school it started to getting a little bit more a bit dark of darker depression and darker anxiety which is when it started to get a bit worse for me i think yeah now we'll just go back in your timeline a bit you said you felt left out as a kid Mm -hmm. now did that start at primary school level or as I said, I think it's hard to sort of look back on that. I, th- I think it must have come from a really young age. Mm. Um, it's funny because my mum always says, when I was going through these really upsetting times, she, she, what made her most upset was because I was such a an energetic and loving and caring and happy young kid. Mm-hmm. And for her, the, the saddest part was to see me going through this stuff and to sort of, I was... I didn't like talking about it with anyone. Yeah. At the earlier stages, obviously, I was fairly young, so I didn't have a psychologist to talk about talk about it with. Um, and I sort of felt not left out in that sense, but I couldn't. I didn't have anyone to talk to, or I didn't feel as though I could talk to anyone about it. So that sort of left me in the dark a bit. I think. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, now, a pretty big one in any child's life. Not all children go through this but you did your parents separation mm-hmm. sort of how it affected we're going to talk we have to talk personally that's what we're doing here so yep. on a personal level how did it affect you uh looking back i think it really affected me there's some memories that come to mind mum and dad fighting yeah I, I can remember one specific night when mum and dad were fighting over something i can't really remember and it was just being me and Clay there and Clay not understanding what was all happening. And I was sort of at the age where I sort of understood a little bit more than he did. I'm not, yep. I'm not sure where Jacko was at the time, but it was me and Clay in the house. Yep. Mum and dad running around shouting. And that was sort of, I think that was the the moment that really hit home to me that it probably, nothing was probably going to be the same from there on from out. There on, yeah. um, and I think that that's the main memory that comes to my mind when I think of my parents splitting up is that night. It was so, such an unhappy place. It was so, I guess, it's it just wasn't it wasn't a good place to be. And yeah. 
growing up, my household was always amazing. I loved yeah, it. There's always people around, and yeah. we we're always having parties and stuff at your place at Tennyson. And, yeah. yeah, it's sort of. I guess that night was sort of the end of it all for me. It sort of mm-hmm. put everything into to uh, perspective perspective for me, and yeah, I, I sort of realised it wasn't going to be the same from there on out. Yep. Now you've got one down here that I distinctly remember having conversations with you sort of that year 10 year 11 stage like so girls and relationships and you would always say like oh, i just want a girlfriend or oh, i want to be in a relationship and that i think a lot of blokes probably did at the time but for you it almost felt like you wanted it for a reassurance thing Am i think I correct yeah in saying that? i think that's spot on i think i felt as though i mean don't get me wrong i had a lot of amazing friends and my family were amazing growing up but I think I wanted that person that I could be incredibly close with mm-hmm. um, mentally and physically that I didn't quite get enough of growing up, I think. And and so your answer was to... Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think yeah. so. That's what... And, and sort of at that age, it's incredibly difficult to find that kind of relationship yeah. with a girl. <laughs> yeah, when we're 16, 17 years old, it's, yeah. just, it's just not really going to happen, is it? No. Nah. I think that was the main thing for me to find a companion that I could talk to, that yeah. I could emotionally connect with, and that's I'd, understandable. Though. Like, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, yeah. and I had, but it was, it was almost as well because we talked about this sense of not feeling good enough. It would have made you feel better as a person. I think so. Yeah. It would have reassured. It would have, it would have made me feel better about myself yeah. having someone that I guess liked me as much as I would like, have liked them. Yeah. It's you wanted someone to like you so you could like yourself almost. I think so. Yeah. I think what that yeah, that was that's pretty much to a T, I think. Yeah. So as we move on, we we're gonna to get to the dark spots now. Mm-hmm. Um so suicide I think is it's a massive issue for both of us. Yeah. And especially in the current climate. I've got my own feelings about it and this sort of when you go through it it changes your perspective, I think. So your story I didn't find this out until the last six months. So, do you want to sort of go through? Yeah, I guess. Stories, yeah. As we've mentioned before, I think this all stemmed from a younger age. And growing up, it just sort of, it was almost a snowball effect. Yeah. And I think the end of the line for me was, it could have been anything. And I think at the time it was me being in, uh, me liking someone that, was telling me one thing and doing another. Yeah. And that was that almost played into the fact I wasn't good enough again. And you get in your own head as it yeah. is so when someone else is in there messing around. Yeah. It was yeah. that was sort of how it played out for me. But having said that, if I wasn't talking to this person, I feel as though something else would have happened because I really was not doing anything about my mental health right. to to change you didn't have the any way strategies. I was. You weren't no, seeing a psychologist. I wasn't seeing a yeah. psychologist at this stage. Um, and it was a night I heard that this person had been talking rumours about me and yeah. I feel as though that was the ultimate betrayal for me. Someone that had told me so much had gone the other way mm-hmm. and that was the end of the line for me. I just I didn't see myself going to university. I didn't know what I was doing with myself. Soccer wasn't as big as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Um and yeah, I just I think that's that was when it all happened. It was one night here, and I just got home, and it was strange because when it all happened, I I don't looking back, I don't think I ever would have gone as 
it's tough. I, I was thinking about it heavily, and mm. I think I was intoxicated at the time. Yeah, I think I was actually on the way back from the Rams game. Right. Um, and I remember running a bath, cranking music, and just sort of trying to forget about stuff that was happening, and yep. just sort of, yeah, I think I just wanted to end it in the bath. And after I tried um, committing suicide, I remember calling Jackson and Christine Mm -hmm. because I remember just being really scared. And that was the moment for me that I realized that this was too big for me to handle. It was too much for me to handle and I needed someone and I needed someone. And that was the the breaking point for me, I think. So not to push the envelope too much, but can you go into detail of how you've tried, how you tried to do it? Yeah, I... Pretty much was in the bath, um, as I said, listening to music, and I had a pair of scissors by, and I cut my wrist, which if you see me walking around, you might notice on my wrist, there's like scars and stuff, and I remember I remember actually after it happened, having a, a bandage on my arm, and I think a lot of the boys didn't know what happened. We had no idea, and no. the story you told us we bought, because so, yeah. we wouldn't have been suspected. And I think I was incredibly scared and embarrassed that anyone would find out at the yeah. at the time of. But it's it's one of those things that I look at now, and it somewhat gives me strength. Yeah, um, what you've been through and what I've been through and where I've come. And I can't thank Jackson, Christine enough, and my family mm-hmm. enough for being and my friends. Sorry, for being there enough. I'm I'm quite an outspoken person now, and I don't let things get to me as much as I may have done in the past. Yeah. Uh, and that's when it all came to fruition. That's when my mum sat me down after she found out. Jackson made sure I told her. And that's when I went to see my first psychologist. Yeah, so that leads perfectly into the next point. So that was the first time. So what age were you when this happened? I think I was 18, 19. Yeah, so that was the first time you told your family about anything? Yes. Properly? And so yeah. that was, and that's the first time you ever I seen. think they knew that I was feeling a bit down, but I don't think they knew. You the never step. talked about it? Though. No. You wouldn't have sat no. down with your mum or anything? No. Yeah. So then that's the first time you saw a psychologist? Yeah. So I saw a male psychologist yeah. um, in the city of King William Road. Yeah. And had, did that work for you? Because some, sometimes it doesn't for people. It did not work for me at all yeah. at the start. It, yeah. was, it was almost as selfish as it was for me. I was going to see him for my parents and for my yeah, brothers you feel like you just need to do it to make your family feel happy i don't i yeah. didn't buy into it at all and i feel as though a lot of people do that 100 um because it, again it's that a shame as well you don't want anyone yeah. to know that it's a negative at the end of the yeah. day it's it's you doing something that potentially can make a, you can make it into a positive but at the time of it's this is what's wrong with me and i'm going to see this person because there is something wrong with me yeah and i think that's how a lot of people looked at it. that's for sure how i looked at it um, but yeah, I didn't get much success out of the first psychologist because, as I said, didn't buy into it at all. Yeah. And then I did my 10 sessions with him, sort of, yeah, I did those 10 sessions and then that was sort of it for me for a while. I didn't see much of a change in my behavior. I was doing doing exercise that he'd given me, but I could still feel myself going sort of slowly downhill still. And that, uh, yeah, that's from what I can remember from the first person. Yeah. Really. So then you've obviously improved 
yeah, mentally for sure. since then, and you've I know you've gone and seen another psychologist. Yeah, a female, which a female, which is was better. A, yeah, it was yeah. a lot better for me. So you've got a few things down here, lessons learned. So from a psychological point of view, from the psychologist, what sort of strategies did you take away yeah. from them to help yourself? It was tough because I mean, for those that know me best. They know I'm a, quite a competitive and angry person, so these things didn't just help my mental health. And you, you do struggle to um, set your mind to something and oh, sit yeah. down and do it. Things can ruin my day very yeah. easily. Put it that way. And your concentration levels can waver. So. Yeah. Um, for me, what I took out of the first psychologist, which um, then went on to the second psychologist, was the breathing exercises that they taught me to sort of, I guess, just take take a minute. If you're ever feeling upset about something to sort of remove yourself from the situation and just to to give yourself say five ten minutes and just to breathe really slow inhale exhale and to count your breaths and that sort of that worked really well for me um another one that i got was to to goal set yep uh whether that's a long goal or a short-term goal that really helped me because at the time of, I didn't really have anything to look forward to or go to, which is why I think it did. Uh, the results of my mental health came to a close finish when I was 18, 19. I think that was due to the fact I'd, I'd sort of surpassed my goal of becoming a professional soccer player. And yeah. then I had no real goal uh, with schooling or anything like that, it just sort of was a bit of nothing for me. So that's sort of what happened. And you got one here that's that really probably um, resonates with me as well, and the importance of trusting people, yeah. and to put to say that you're not alright, and put trust in someone that they can actually help you, and not being embarrassed by the fact that you want help from them. Yeah, I think my whole life I've sort of unfairly, I think trust I. I can trust people quite easily, but when something happens, I lose all trust in everyone, which yeah. is a bit unfair. Yeah. But that's just how it has been. And I've sort of learned to trust more and to mm-hmm. give a bit more. And people, I think people are better than we give them credit for. I yeah. think us I'm, as humans... I'm definitely like that. I'm definitely... I have taught myself to be better, but I would always see the negative first. Yeah. That's the same with me. And yeah. I think we... We don't give each other enough credit. And Absolutely rather than we not. don't give our family enough credit, our, our friends enough credit. I think especially our family though. Yeah. Especially. I've, I've always been one to push my family's advice to mm. second place or third place yeah. before because they're so close to you. Mm. I don't know what it was, but I've always hated hearing advice from Jackson. I don't know why. <laughs> but That's just a brotherly thing though, you look it? You look back on some things that Jackson said to me in the past and it's, and Clay for that matter, and... I think about it now, a few years down the track, and it it's it's weird how how right and correct relevant. they were. They're and both pretty intuitive in that way as they well. Are. Yeah, and that's where I think me, Clay, and Jackson are quite different in that aspect. We look at life completely different ways, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad and grateful that I've got them in my life because I'm not sure where I'd be today without them. Yep, that is beautiful, mate. Now today, as a person, how are we feeling? How's the progress been? I think you're in a much better spot. I'm in a much it. better spot. Yeah. Uh, there's still, I still have bad days, as everyone does. I've got the tools that I've been given from the psychologist that I yep. can use. I've got my friends around me and my family that I do not take for granted anymore. Mm-hmm. I, 
I talk to as much people as I can when I feel as down as I possibly can. And I think this podcast has given us, given us the platform to, I guess, be brave, yeah, to talk out and to sort of look at things that we've done in the past, look at, I mean, our darkest days and to sort of take strength a, from it. Use them as a platform. Exactly uh, right. From them. Yeah. Um, but I think a big one for me younger was I felt as though my feelings weren't ever either they were smaller than someone else's, which is mm-hmm. why I may have not talk, spoken up about it. Or I just felt that, as I, I've mentioned plenty of times, that I wasn't good enough for it. Mm-hmm. And everyone's good enough for advice. Everyone's life is worth living. And right. yeah, no matter how big or small you think uh, a feeling is, I think it's important to, to trust those people closest around you and to just give them the benefit of the doubt. Everyone's here to help. Absolutely, mate. Very well put. Yeah. And thank you for sharing. No worries. Um, yeah, I've got the water here just, just in case things go a bit too heavy. I've got squirted the back of the throat earlier on. But, uh, <laughs> we're on now. Um, I guess we'll move on to you. Yep. That seems only fair. It does. So the first thing you've got written down here, which we've obviously spoken about with me, yeah. um, is not being good enough. If you Did you want to elaborate on that from a young age? or? Yeah, I think we're much the same in that aspect it was i've always always had felt that as a kid and stemmed from various things but yeah just not feel like i was good enough to be anyone's friend i feel like i was good enough academically i was always sort of middle of the road not always feel like i was good at sport i always felt like i was starting two or three steps behind everyone else when maybe i wasn't yeah mentally i felt that way so yeah so I mean, obviously, I see your family. Mm-hmm. I go over your house quite a lot. Um, I see now, but probably not to the extent it may have been you and your dad clash a bit. I, mean, I think that's because you are very similar in a lot of aspects. Absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. yeah. So, in a lot of ways, me and dad are incredibly different, mm-hmm. but there are quite a few things where we're exactly the same. And as especially as a kid, when you're growing up, you're finding yourself, you're finding who you are. Dad was a pretty strong parent. He wasn't nothing bad obviously yeah. but he was he was he had a strong personality as a parent and he, he'd let you know if he wasn't happy with something and i was a little bit rebellious as well and uh yeah we we just clashed all the time we had sort of the same yeah we had similar traits of arguing yeah. so we would never come to an agreement and we would constantly argue and yeah it really um pushed us away from each other for a long time has that has your relationship gotten better or is it it has improved we're still got a bit of way to go I don't think it I don't think it's going to get any better okay to be perfectly honest I think I've tried to make it better but we don't really have that we have there is obviously there's that father son yeah person like deep connection, connection but we don't have that sort of strong best mate personal connection that maybe other people do so it's good Without being great. You respect him. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, more than ever as well. And especially everything he's done for the family. But on a personal friendship level, it's not quite what it should be. But yeah, there was definitely a period of like three or four years there where we wouldn't talk. Yeah. And yeah, that was sort of through like end of middle school, high school. And yeah, it all. but certainly dad was one of those people that, and he knew this as well, he was going to be a better parent when me and my sister were adults and young adults yeah and we me and my sister both we didn't really get along with dad until then mm-hmm. yeah so you've written through here um 
being bullied at primary school. Yeah. Uh, did you want to walk us through growing up? Yeah. Uh, you obviously so, went to Emmanuel Primary. Yeah, so don't get me wrong, Emmanuel was a very good school. And can I start off by saying the people that bullied me through primary school and started middle school are now some of my best mates. Yeah. So it's just one of those things and things have sort of come full circle. But yeah, it was it was a hard time, especially through like year five, six and seven. That was probably the hardest periods. Like when you're in like one, two and three and stuff, you're like too young to even know what yeah. which way's up. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, once we got a bit older and you start to develop and things happening and yeah, it was just, it's all... I've, did it make it, did it make, so people putting you down obviously, did it yeah. make it hard to sort of extend friendship groups and sort of put yourself out there? Yeah, big time. I only had a friendship group because our parents were a friendship group, Okay, I felt, and I was very much, I, I it may not have been reciprocated by the others, but I felt very excluded from that group and I was only just there because my family was there, so... I think, yeah, there, there's definitely a couple of people I was really close with, but yeah. I, in the widest game, and I was, it was always like, be like classrooms and recess and lunch, but I'm really good at putting shit to the back of my head and yeah, forgetting so about I. it when I don't want to think about it anymore. So to me, it's really hard to like bring up specifics, but obviously I knew that I had a really tough time in primary school and middle school was... I think that's a massive trait that people that have mental health do. They put things to the back of their mind <laughs> They put things they don't want to think about and they don't want to talk about straight to the back yeah. of their mind. And as I said before, it's like a snowball effect. Absolutely. One day, you just it just yeah. It, and right, and now I'm I have the utmost clarity with it. But yeah. at the time, I was just like, I'm like I don't want to tell anyone about it. And especially in like year 11, and 12, when things just kept manifesting, and yeah. you don't you don't speak about it. Um, so as I've mentioned, it might be different reasons for you, but year mm-hmm. 12 was a, quite a, a difficult year for me um it's a difficult year for everyone yeah taking mental health aside it's, yeah, it's a difficult year one but of the biggest years of your life isn't it for you someone that was going through these battles how did you find it so i have an interesting story about it so obviously i struggled with stuff all through my life but the biggest turning point for me i was was sitting i think it was either the end of year 11 or the start of year 12 you know how we had those course counseling sessions and yeah. someone came in and talked about depression yeah and at the start he, he was listing off all these symptoms that he had and things they can feel and I'm going along like ticking every box yeah. and like shit this is me because I didn't I didn't want to know what depression was yeah. but I knew so, you, I was so you're shit. saying you didn't really know what you had you just knew you weren't happy yeah so, and then when he started talking about it I was like yeah this is me so I guess I, for some I like to think I was proactive back then but I went straight to the student office and made a time to see the um, the student counsellor there yeah yeah and when I saw her, and that was sort of the start of the process, but I had to go down a long way before I went back up again from that point. But that was where it all started. Yeah. Was that a big moment for you? Was that an upsetting moment for you, realizing that you had something that? Yeah, it was. Because yeah. I just felt like, oh, I'm just going to be happy one day. Yeah. And I was just. Did you be... think it was just the process? What how everyone yeah. was feeling? I knew I was probably a little bit more unhappy than anyone else on average, but I just thought like, oh, this is just school and sh- like. People are growing up, so immaturity is flying around and it'll all get better one day. But then when someone talks about like the personal symptoms you can have through depression and you're going, yep, this is all relevant. It makes it real when it, yeah, it does. When someone puts a label on it. And then to me, in my head, I was like, I don't want to feel like this anymore, so I'm going to do something, do something about, about it. it. Yeah. Yep. Now, 
I mean, I look at you. Obviously, mm. growing up, I was one of your good mates. Mm. You were, I mean, I looked at you the same. You were very good at school, mm-hmm. from what it looked like. You were also an incredible footy player. You played at uh, the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I feel as though we've played soccer and footy at the same sort of level, and there's a lot of pressure that goes with playing at a big club like Eagles. Um, yeah. And obviously, they put a lot of pressure on you at Emmanuel as well yeah. to play footy. So, did you ever have any issues with that, with footy or... Yeah, big time. Yeah. So footy was always my favourite sport growing up. I actually, well, no, I didn't play before. I played soccer first three years of school. Yeah. We all did. As the a, old trial process, what sport you want to play when you Yeah, you're exactly. Like, we all played club footy from under eights. Yeah. Like when we were six years old and then we all played, but we all played school soccer together. Mm-hmm. Um, and just an exclusive, Matt Scharenberg was a much better soccer player before he was a footy player. Yeah. So, yeah, we all played together and... Um, and then I was never that good. I was yep. always small. I was skinny. Quick. Well, I wasn't quick then. You weren't? No. Nah, I, wasn't, I wasn't quick until about year nine. You saying Bolt? Um, yeah. So I was so like, I was either middle of the road or average. Like I, was yep. not, I wasn't good at all. And not until I was about 13 or 14 did I start getting better. Probably, yeah, 12, 13, I was, I got like a bit better and I had a, like Flinders Park had a really good side. I won three premierships in a row. Yeah. Like won three out of four in four years. And, and I've heard about that. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and it was only our team manager Jeff Dunn, big shout out. He was the one that believed in me and got me into Eagles because you had to be selected through your club, obviously. Yeah. And I get kept getting like not selected yeah. each year, and he got me selected in 14s. And was then, it something that you wanted to do? You knew that I, it was there? I would love to do it, but I didn't think I was good enough, and I didn't think it was a possibility. I saw my mates, yeah. like Lewis Kanga and Shaz and... Ethan. Ethan was younger, so he hadn't gone, but okay. I knew he was going to. And these guys were going to Glenelg, and, or Matt was at Eagles yeah. at the time because we were yeah. playing for Flins Park, and they were all going off, and I was like, yeah, that's just them because they're better. Was that playing on your mind at all? Not really. But then I got there, and I was like, all right, I need a... I want to have a good crack at this. I yep. want to play well. And I got selected in 13s. I got dropped first. So development squad was like 12s, 13s. And then I got dropped first year of 14s by the West Torrens captain. Right. Yeah, he coached 14s. He, he cut me. And I didn't like. I didn't make it past... No, I got cut in the final cut. And that pissed me off. And I was like, Big time. screw this. I'm going to... Like come back next year and do better next year. So that's a good mentality. Yeah. Right? So yeah. In the next year, I came back. Sorry, this is a long story. Came that's back, right. got selected, and I was like, "Yeah, that's great." And then, sort of, I I was always late progressing though. Like guys at school were had always been really good from like year six, but I wasn't good yet. But I was good enough to make these squads, like yeah. pretty big squads. And then, not until I was sixteen, sort of like year ten footy, I started to be sort of in the upper half of the team and starting to get better. Yep. And then you get to under 16s and you play 16s, it still doesn't mean much. And then you get to under 18s and when you're in 18s, you're like, every every guy knows their own ability and they're realistic. But if you're in 18s, you're in the system to be drafted. Yep. Like you have the opportunity to make the best mm-hmm. of what the facilities you have and coaches you have and all of that coaching and try and get drafted. So I was like, I really want to have a crack at this. And then, from 16, I had all my back issues. Mm-hmm. I bulged this at 17. And just wasn't. I never game. got a shot at yeah. playing under 18s. And I felt so left out at 18s because I, I went to a manual. So I was in the Glenelg zone going to school. So yeah. everyone that I played with at school played for Glenelg. But everyone I played with at Eagles, 
they went to school together at Henley and St. Michael's. So yep. I had nobody yep. at Eagles. And I've, and that was a time where I was like struggling socially and I found it really difficult to just make friends. Like I got people there I'd played footy with and I was friends with. And then, yeah, and that was a, that was probably one of the biggest things. I never made good friends at mm. Eagles. And then in 18s, in my f- second year at 18s, I had a really bad coach that he selected me and probably believed in me, but I we never got along. Got along at all, and I just didn't like him and as his a person as or a and coach. His, just as his coaching. He got, he got he was there to get people drafted. Yeah, and if you weren't coming bashing the door down in preseason, you you got forgotten about. Yeah, and I, I'm a slow developer, and like I thought I had attributes that I could have worked on to be better and be able to play at under 18 level against yeah. the best kids in the state. You just think he wasn't a good coach. He nah, just, he and just... then, but I didn't have any belief in myself either. So you I, needed I that someone to yeah. bring you up. I would rock up the training. I would like come home from school and I'd be like, I can't think of anything worse than going to footy training right now. Yeah. I'd go to footy training and be like, I can't wait till this is over. Yeah. Now I go to footy training and I can't wait to get there. Yeah. But back then I hated going and I knew I wasn't going to see anyone I knew and I couldn't talk to anyone. And Yeah. Yeah, so that was the most difficult thing, and then it all ends. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. We we actually won the premiership that year, and I walked away with about two rounds to go in the actual season. Then didn't like rock up to any finals or anything. But then went to Footy Park and sat and watched them win, like them all run to the field, and I just went home. So yeah, yeah, that was a really that been a tough one. Yeah, it was, and I was like, I probably should be there, but I sort of, I honestly gave up, and I hate yeah. myself for it. Yeah, but. I hated footy as well. Got to be one of the better things you've done though because I yeah. think you've turned mm. a massive corner. And I don't want to sound arrogant but I think I'm a late developer but I think if I actually applied myself yeah. at under 18 level and thought like let's be try and be a bit more professional yeah. and do the right things I think I could have had a, a just a shot at playing yeah, 18. I think I played six games of 18 yeah. or something. Like it was nothing. So yeah. 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 So obviously we're talking about mental health. This yeah. is this is a this is the episode for it for you and I. Yeah. Um, we've talked about school. We've talked about footy. Um, but p- putting it all together, you've uh, got written down here when you were nineteen years old, coming home from work. It all sort of. Yeah, so it all stemmed sort of from that. In year eleven was really it was an easy year of school in my head because we yeah. didn't really didn't mean anything it was just preparing for year 12 but I struggled socially and then obviously with what I just said about footy and then I didn't know what to do after school and no idea and a bloody first job I'm washing dishes at a restaurant like it's not glamorous but you just do it because you're young and I didn't have any direction I didn't know what I was doing I was at uni at the time doing human movement I bloody hated it Mm -hmm. I was like this is not what I want to do and I have no idea and I was just you can't that's not why I was so depressed but I was just so depressed it didn't just, help. It didn't help, but I'm like when you have depression, it's an illness, and you struggle with an yeah. illness, and there's nothing 100%. that makes it happen. Did like, you find seeing the counselor at school help at all? I it helped, but I'm like you. I didn't buy it enough. Yeah. I just went because I thought it was just she was going to be able to speak to, to me, yeah, and, and then I was going to be helped. Yeah, but exactly I, you have to I buy thought. in. So I was at a really bad point. Yeah, I'm coming out from work. I'm just like, screw this. Like, I'm not going anywhere. I hate everything about my life which is a terrible mentality and yeah I wanted to on Brighton Road I wanted to drive into a parked car and just that was it but then it was all a bit of a blur I don't like to think about it that often And but pulled away at the last minute 
pulled over, called mum. I was like, this has happened. Like, and then, yeah. That's Do you think that happened. moment has brought you closer to your mum? Do you trust your mum a bit more? Oh, she me and mum have always been very close. Yeah. And so she was always going to be the first person I called and okay. I could always go to her and she's had her own troubles with depression and anxiety. So she was always my first port of call. And yeah, it definitely made us closer, but she, I think she always knew as well yeah. that she didn't know I was getting to that point. And yeah. She knew that we had to do something about it. So yeah, you just mentioned your mum's yeah. mental issues in the past. Has... Is there your family? Yeah, so she won't mind me saying she's had her own struggles all through her life. Um, she's been on medication for it and everything, and yeah, she's she's had some hard times with it. So she, but she's pretty well through it now. You always get your day here and there where you yeah. feel worse than you think, and but she's been really helpful and she knows exactly what to say. And yeah, she's been your main great. point of call Absolutely. when you feel I feel anything. Yeah, yeah, go to her and. So, obviously, growing up, you went through this. Your last, your last point of call was obviously your mum. Growing up, you've been through quite a lot. Mm. Um, where are you now? Like, how far do you think you've come, and where, where would you put yourself on the spectrum? Now? Such a long way. I can't recognise the person I was at like yeah. seventeen, eighteen. Like I'm completely different, mm-hmm. and that's just building on. You sort of just build on things each time like it's cliche but building like on blocks like yeah. you just you build it up and you sort of come to a point and you look back and you're like gee I've sort of pulled myself out of the fire a little bit here and come a long way and you just I think a lot of it for me as well has been maturity but it's also just recognising what's wrong at the yeah. time and yeah so yeah I think I'm at a great spot now and I'm at a, a spot where if these things come up and if I start feeling crap, I know what? how to deal with it. And you know who to call, you know who to talk yeah, to. Yeah, but I can... And you don't want to be like, oh, I can just deal with it myself. But I'm at this position now where I can. Yeah. And I'm and it hasn't got to a really bad point again. Yeah. So... Yeah. I think I'm the same. I think I've obviously come out of the other end. But yeah. as you said, you still have those days. I still get extremely anxious about things and I still get upset about Absolutely. things. Absolutely. I'm still socially awkward as anything yeah. and I still feel... A little bit self-conscious of how people were perceiving me, but it's definitely not what it is, and I sort of can snap myself out of it. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Well, I think that's. Coming. Are you happy with everything? Yeah, I don't think there's anything else I can say. No, I I think it's I think it's important for Simon and I to express is the fact we've started this. Because on, on the back of what we've yeah. been through. We know what we've yeah. been through and we know how much it helps when you've got someone there or some people there that you know you can go to. And we want to be that for people that feel as though they might not have anyone. Please send us a message anytime you need. There's Give still, us a call. There, and there's still this, just this ridiculous stigma around mental health like just because someone can't see it. Oh, if no. you break your leg, 100 people get around you. Yeah. But if you've got mental illness, no. firstly, no one's educated enough to help you because you no. should be getting talked about this when you're younger 9 and 10 yeah. when you start to develop so no one knows how to deal with it when mates bring it to them well, some do but not enough and then yeah there is this stigma that just because you can't see it it's Doesn't, not a big deal or it's not as big as other issues other that issues going on. yeah but it's a massive thing and suicide's a massive problem in this country especially among young men and yeah. it needs 
needs to more attention. More yeah, just needs more attention. Yeah. That's that's exactly right. So. Thank you for listening in. We hope you enjoyed the show. And remember to subscribe and leave a review.